Friday. Yeah. Core hardcore Friday. Um, yeah, had a chance to uh, uh, talk about this Wednesday. But I had a chance to show the team, uh, you know, some of the great Packer players, coaches, Lambeau. So we all know who Lambeau is. Saw him on the sideline. Um, Hinkle, Isbell, Hudson. Great. Some of the great players there. So um, you know, just connecting the dots a little bit. But, um, you know, a lot of tradition there. Uh, a lot of tradition going into Lambeau and you know, seeing those names uh, up on the, on the stadium. Um, yeah, but our focus today is really just, you know, finishing up preparations, situational football, you know, third down, red area, two-minute time up things like that at the end of goal line, short yardage, end of the week, and um, you know, ready to go out there and you know, play our best football game. So it's a good football team. They're a very good situational team. I don't think anybody's any better than, you know, Aaron Rodgers been through the years. Um, end of games, two-minute, four-minute, four-minute ahead, two-minute behind. All those situations, one play type situations, cadence. He's just, you know, he, he takes situational football to a to a much higher level. We always study them. Now, of course, we face them, so we're we're dealing with all the things that we've studied and watched uh, him and and the Packers do going back when when Mike was there. To you know, of course, now with with Coach Fleur, but it just continues to be. Um, you know, very impressive. So, um, and you know, big play for him defensively at the end of the game. You know, with the um, two-point stop. Uh, you know, to beat Tampa last week. So, um, you know, good players, good kicker. You know, clutch kicker. So, we're gonna have to play well for 60 minutes. You know, this is gonna. You can't, you can't play well for 59 and a half against them. That won't be good enough. Will you allow yourself just just a moment when you walk in to, to look around and, and feel it before before getting get, getting out of business? Just, just yeah, well, again, when you when you watch film, uh, and it's in you know they play at home, okay, which they did against um, the Bears, right? But you know, plenty of other games to watch. Every time they show the scoreboard, you know, there's Hudson, right? There's you know there's Lombardi, there's Lambeau. There you you see the names sure. literally after every play, or actually before every play. Before every play, on the scoreboard shot, so you you, know, you can't help but you know, and there's a little bit of you know some of our players like honestly they don't know who some of these people are. I mean this is you know, 80 years ago or more. Um, so, I mean Lambeau started in what 1921, so about 100 years for him. Um, so, now he was there, what 25 years, mid 40s. I forget what his last year was, but somewhere in there. So yeah, but I'm just saying they don't you know. So it's just kind of. You see a lot of names. You see them on the stadium. You see everybody talking about them. The stadium's named after him. You know, who is he? You know, who's Hudson? You know, Bear Bryant, Hudson, Lambeau, Rockney, Notre Dame. I mean, it's a lot of, you know. I think there's a lot of things that these players and coaches, we've talked to the coaches about it too, you know, have heard about it. It's like, uh, you know, it's, where is this all kind of connected? That's kind of interesting. You know, and certainly Lambeau. You know, who took the Notre Dame box, which was a very, you know, shift in the backfield, power football, nobody ever split out, you know, just power play after power play after power play. That, that's what it was. And then, and then he got Hudson, and then he got Isbell, and then he got Hinkle. And he very quickly became, you know, Air Lambeau. Mm -hmm. 
split Hudson out. Really, you, did, you, you never saw that. So they actually had a split receiver. He actually had pass patterns, pass routes. Um, you know, Isbell was a, like they all were quarterback tailbacks, but he could throw. I mean, this guy's a tremendous passer. And Isbell-Hudson connection was a, a good one, a very good one. I mean, it's the best in football. And then they got Hinkle, and Hinkle was a great runner. Uh, not that Isbell couldn't run, but not like Hinkle could. And so then it became kind of Isbell could throw, Hinkle could run. Uh, and so it was the T from the single wing, right? So instead of handing the ball off from the T formation, they handed it off from the single wing formation. Isbell ran occasionally, but most of the time it was Hinkle. And then when they wanted to throw, it was Isbell throwing to primarily Hudson, but, you know, whoever. So, yeah. And then you have know, the whole Hudson draft story. Like, that's another tremendous story. You know, the whole NFL draft really is a result of the Hudson situation, uh, which, of course, all these guys were drafted or were involved in the draft, every single one of them. Um, why do we have a draft? Hudson. That's why we have a draft. So we got postmark, postage stamps, and letters. And is he a giant? Is he a Packer? Is he a giant? Is he a Packer? All right, he's a Packer. And, you know, bidding on him is probably worth it. It's gracious here in, in the history of football, and certainly in that era. And I'm sure he still has, you know, pretty major role in a lot of the NFL history stats. So, you know, that's always kind of fun to, you know, look back on that. Do you remember your first time going to Lambeau Field? Uh, yeah, preseason game. Um, no, I, well, uh, actually, I was in Milwaukee when I was with the Lions. I actually went there and scouted them. Um, uh, but the whole Milwaukee, you know, so it was two games in Milwaukee. If I have this right, it was like two games in Milwaukee and six games in Green Bay or five green games in Green Bay back in a 14-game season, something like that. And um, you know, Milwaukee, of course, you had the, you know, both teams in center field and, you know, the whole baseball setup, which was fairly common back in those days. Um, now you had the other baseball stadiums like Memorial Stadium in Baltimore or Cleveland Municipal Stadium where the teams are on opposite sides. But like here in Fenway, I'm sorry. Uh, Fenway and, um, you know, Minnesota and Milwaukee. Um, you know, we had both teams on the same sideline. And so, again, that was another thing that we saw today. That was, the, you know, a, a look at it from the – it was actually a game in Detroit. Um, but, you know, they're kind of like, why are both teams on the same side of the field? You know, but that was baseball stadium. So, um, yeah, but it was it's quite it's quite a – Honestly, it's quite a scene there, the whole, you know, the community. Um, it's kind of in a residential area, and all of a sudden, and it's a stadium just, like, pops out of the middle of nowhere, and here you are, you know. But, I mean, that's Green Bay. But the fact that they played two games away from Green Bay for however many years they did, that was quite a few um, in Milwaukee, you know, just, just really a state team. You know. See all the cheese heads. I mean, it's just it's great. Sorry, uh, know you're headed out to practice here in a little bit. Are you expecting Mac to practice today? Well, we'll see. Not sure yet. We'll see. Can you? I'm sure that we'll both be watching very closely. And see, see if he's out there. Oh, you can't make it. Yeah, yeah. All right. So bankers' hours is <laughs> off at noon. <laughs> oh, I got you. Yeah. Hey. He's the man, understand. Well, look, I, I'm sure we'll get a report on it. 
sure it'll be mentioned what you know what what happens out there. We'll see. I, I don't know. We'll see. Right, you mentioned the other day that he had improved quite a bit since yeah. you know, the day before. Yeah, he, of course. How much has he improved since yeah. last time we well, talked to you? Well, we'll see. What do you need to see from Mac to determine his physical readiness to play on Sunday? Yeah, well, ultimately that'll be a decision made by the medical people in, in consultation with Mac, of course. And like we do with any player. He's no different than any other player. I mean, he is, but I'm just saying the process is the same. There's a medical evaluation, talk to the player. And as a coach, you at whatever point get the information that you get and you make a decision if there's a decision to be made. If there's no decision to be made medically, then then I'm out of it. Um, but if there's a decision to be made, hey, the player's at X percent, he can do this. The player feels like he can do this, he's ready to play. Then I make a decision, do I want this player at X percent or somebody else at, let's call it 100%. But a lot of times it never gets to that point. Occasionally it does. If it does, then then that becomes my decision in consultation with the player and usually his position co coach or the staff. So would there be the amount of practice that you would need to see from him to be comfortable enough to, to let him play if he were to be cleared on Sunday? Yeah. Uh, and again, I don't know. I'd have to. We'll see. We'll see. Every you know situations are different, and so I think we'll just have to see how it goes. Not trying to like run you guys around the block. I mean, it's just the truth. We'll see. How's he doing? Um, fine. I mean, other than he's in the training room, but I mean, that's you know, a lot of guys in the training room. He's fine. Is it, it you just you called it the other day, sort of a day to day by day situation. Is that the word I used? <laughs> I can't remember exactly how I described it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think you're right. I think you're right. Did I break a record on that? Or is that what it was? Nice. All right. I wasn't trying to do that. Just when you ask the same question, I'll give the same answer. Then it just. You know, sorry. Does that mean though that this might not be a multi-week? Injury. Well, I don't know. Okay. I just we'll just take it. We'll just take it as it comes. And look, if you have an injury, you've had injuries. You have an injury, you go out and do something. If you're okay, then you do more. If you're not okay, then you back off and you do a little less. Then you do more. Then you're okay. Then you do more. Are you gonna? Is it? You know, how's it going to feel the next day after you do something? Well, you're not going to know until the next day. Then you make a decision the next day. It's, that's, it's not a broken bone. It's not a, you know, it's not a fracture that you're dealing with. It's, you know, it's a different type of injury that, I mean, look, you guys took the Montgomery story, right? I mean, we had him out for the year. We had him out for eight weeks. So he was never going to play again and all that. And then he played in the opener against Miami. So... I don't know what was that. Like somebody else could have the same injury. It could have healed at a different rate. We're all different. Each injury is a little bit different. So again, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like you know I've got a magic wand and crystal ball. I know exactly what's going to happen. Nobody knows. I don't know. He doesn't know. Doctors don't know. Take it as it comes and see what happens. It's the same with all of them. I mean, it's we have. We have four or five, six guys like this every week in varying degrees. 
you know, is it two days, is it three days, is it four days, is it a week, is it eight days, is it ten days, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to tell. So you actually get out there and perform at a level that's comparable to what a professional football player has to do. So walking around and going to the grocery store and pumping gas, and that's one thing, going out there and competing on a football field with other elite professional athletes, is that's different. So what's feels okay, what's okay, what's competitively okay. It's, but again, you're talking about well-conditioned athletes that heal quickly, generally speaking. They heal, you know, I mean, bones are bones, but guys that are in training, guys that are, you know, well-conditioned, that are healthy, come back quicker than others of us, let's call it. All right. This being Packers, we got a video that's been floating around as Dan Conley's return. Yeah. I'm wondering what your memories are of that play. Uh, very unexpected. Yeah, that was, um, it's funny though, we uh, just coincidentally had talked about that, um, you know, the week before, and, and occasionally we, um, so, you know, say you have, um, like seven kickoffs for the week, let's call it. Okay, so you have a couple, maybe you have like four on one day, Wednesday, Thursday, and you do a couple on Friday, you have six, seven a week, right? So, you know, the majority of them are kind of where you think, you know, your opponent's going to kick the ball and the return, you know, maybe you have two returns, three returns, whatever it's called, two returns. So you run a couple this way, a couple that way, you know, and then, and then you might throw in a random play from every week, right? So like a surprise onside kick. And then you throw in a, you know, a kick that's like a bloop kick, and then you throw in a squib kick, and then you throw in a kickoff after a safety, and then you throw in a kickoff from the 50-yard line where they try to, you know, pooch it down to around. You can't work on all, like, 10 of those situations every week, right? So you, you know, do one this week, then you do another one next week, then you do another one next week, and, and cumulatively, you, okay, now after, you know, six weeks, you're kind of back maybe to the beginning. Right, and so that's how you kind of stay, you know, sharp on that. Now it might be something that's, you know, onside kick you work on every week, but um, the surprise onside kick is different. You know, some guys squib it, some guys bounce it, some guys bun it, and you know, so there's different things you work on. But cumulatively, you see those things over a period of time, and so that one was um, we had squibbed it. Um, I forget it was that week or the week before, but it was recently, and and so it didn't actually happen in the game. But the whole point of you know. The guy catching the, the squib kick handles it. The other guys get in front of him, not, you know, stand there and watch him handle the ball, but get in front of him, and the guys behind him come up in case he muffs it or it gets by him. Then the deep returners come up and, and kind of protect him, and then they're usually faster than the guy who's getting the ball. So once Dan picked it up, then they were able to, you know, scoot in front of him and, you know, create a little, um, you know, friction between the coverage, and, and then, you know, Dan just kind of hit the seam and, and rolled with it. So... Um, but it was interesting how that play had actually popped up in practice, and, and that that's sort of how you practice those those things. You you just unless you know for sure like this is a screw squib kick team, like they're going to squib kick you know, at the end of the half, or if they have lead or whatever. Of course, it's different then because it's now it's easier to touch back. But um, but yeah, randomly that play had come up previously, so it and then it showed up in the game. It's like you know, well, I'm glad we practiced that. But yeah, there's been some good memories, and then there was the, you know, the memories back in what was it, '02, where they had their whole secondary out there, like four guys on injury reserve, and two other guys were hurt, and they came in here, and you know, we couldn't move the ball, we couldn't get a first down. It's brutal. 
Um, so, you know, <laughs> goes both ways. All right. Thank you. Thank you.